This information is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is offered with the understanding that the presenters are not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, or other professional services. If legal advice or other expert advice is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought. The following is a free sample of what the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast covers. Instead of using static assumptions, we introduce variability to the modeling and move to thinking probabilistically. We no longer say Andrea achieves financial independence in month 138. Instead, we talk about her chance of being able to achieve financial independence by that month. If you're interested in subscribing to the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast, you can subscribe at realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash advanced. Welcome to the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. I'm your host, James Orr. This is the advanced analysis of episode one. In episode one, we met Andrea. Andrea is a 40-year-old, recently divorced mother of two young boys, ages two and four. She works as an accountant for a small manufacturing company and is concerned about caring for her two young boys and having enough for retirement. With the $100,000 from her divorce, she ultimately decides to utilize the nomad strategy of acquiring properties as an owner-occupant with 5% down. She lives there for a year and then converts that property to a rental. She repeats this until she has acquired eight rental properties and one property that she continues to live in. For more details, check out her full story in episode one of the main Real Estate Financial Planner podcast. When we told her original story, we used static assumptions. For example, we assumed that she was earning a fixed 8% per year return on any money in her bank account. Now, in the advanced version, we assume that the return she is earning on money in her bank account is variable. It can be anywhere from negative 16% to positive 32%. However, it is more likely to still be around that original 8% per year. Similarly, the appreciation rate of properties was a static 2% per year. Now, in the advanced version, we assume that the property appreciation rate is variable. It ranges from negative 10% to positive 16%, but tends to cluster closer to the 3% per year. The same is true for the rent appreciation rate. Each property's appreciation and rent appreciation is independent. In other words, in the same month, one property might be going up in value slightly, while the other one is not going up in value at all, and another might be going down in value. Also, both price appreciation and rent appreciation apply to both properties Andrea owns and the properties she is going to be buying. That means she might be buying slightly more expensive or slightly less expensive properties than she did when the properties were all appreciating at the same static appreciation and rent appreciation rates. Inflation was static at 3% per year. However, with the advanced modeling, this is now also variable. It can range from negative 3% to 9% per year. However, it still tends to hover around that same 3%. And finally, the mortgage interest rate that she can get when she buys her properties is now also variable. Previously, it was static at 3.125% for every property that she bought. Now, with the advanced modeling, it is variable until she gets the loan 
and then she locks that mortgage interest rate in for the 30-year term of her loan for that property. Each property is independent, though, and rates can change up or down as she acquires additional properties. I may refer to changing bank account rates of return, price appreciation, rent appreciation, mortgage interest rates, and inflation from static to random as adding randomness. Why? Because that's what we're doing. It's not realistic to believe that property values will go up 2% per year every year. In the real world, property values may go up more or less than 2% per year. They may go down in value. They change value each month. Maybe the overall trend tends to be around 2%, but some properties will inevitably go up in value a little more than that, and some will be a little slower to appreciate. By adding in randomness, we are better modeling the real world and real world variability in results as well. For example, with the rate of return on her bank account, price appreciation, rent appreciation, mortgage interest rates, and inflation rates all variable now, that can, in some cases, limit her ability to buy properties. She may not be able to buy nine properties in nine years. More on this in a moment. Since price appreciation, rent appreciation, and mortgage interest rates are all variable, cash flow on the properties are likely different than what they were as well. Some properties could have better cash flow if the price did not appreciate as much, rents went up faster, and mortgage interest rates dropped lower. Other properties could have much worse cash flow if property values went up faster, rents lagged behind, and mortgage interest rates rose higher. Changes in cash flow can impact when she mathematically achieves financial independence. For the advanced modeling, instead of just running the scenario once, we ran it 1,000 times and summarized the results. When we have static numbers, we don't need to run it 1,000 times because appreciation, rent appreciation, mortgage interest rates, account rates of return, and inflation are all static. Running it gives us the same results every time. But when we add randomness, each time we run it, the results are different. Sometimes the results are slightly different. Sometimes the results are more significantly different. As a side note, when we run this scenario multiple times with random variables to determine the probability and range of outcomes, many folks call this Monte Carlo analysis. I like to think of it as Andrea living out 1,000 different lives in alternate universes. So I like to call it alternate universe modeling. The same thing, really. Okay, back to our analysis. When we had static numbers that we ran one time, we could say, Andrea achieved financial independence in month 138. With the advanced modeling, we can now say that 129 out of 1,000 times, or about 12.9% of the time that we ran the scenario adding randomness, she achieved financial independence in month 138. Out of the 1,000 times that we ran, the earliest she achieved financial independence was month 116. That's 9.6 years from now, or about age 50 for her. And the latest she achieved financial independence was month 358. That's 29.8 years from now, or about age 70 for her. She was financially independent approximately half of the time, almost 500 out of the 1,000 by month 165, about 13.75 years or about age 54. That's also pretty close to the average of all 1,000 runs as well. She'd be financially independent in month 166 on average.
Speaking of averages, the weighted average of all 1,000 runs for any given month is what some people might call the expected value or the EV. Month 166 is the month where the average of the 1,000 runs has Andrea being financially independent for the first time. So, on average, she is financially independent in month 166. In the overwhelming majority of the runs, she is able to live at a far higher standard of living after she has achieved financial independence than the $48,000 per year that she was living on before she achieved financial independence. For example, 20 years into the modeling, month 240, or age 60 for Andrea, on average, she can spend 42% more than she was living on from her accounting job. That's like her being able to spend $5,680 per month instead of $4,000 per month in today's dollars. The software does account for inflation. By the time she turns 65, she can spend, on average, 112% more than what she was earning at her accounting job. That's the equivalent of her being able to spend $8,480 per month instead of $4,000 per month. Here's something else to think about. We define financial independence as when she has enough cash flow, after all expenses, and 4% safe withdrawal rate of her account balance is enough to replace the $4,000 per month, adjusted for inflation, that she was earning from the accounting job. What if she was really close to having enough cash flow to reach financial independence and had a little bit of money saved up as well? For example, let's say she was making $3,500 per month in cash flow, about $500 per month short. But she also had $100,000 saved up. In that case, being $500 per month short on cash flow, if she quit her job and was living just on her investment income, she'd be living at a deficit of $500 times 12, or about $6,000 per year. Over time, you might expect the rents to increase and that $500 per month deficit to eventually disappear. But in the meantime, she could fund her $6,000 per year deficit from the $100,000 that she had saved up. Even if rents did not go up at all, she could roughly fund that deficit for 16 years. So she might, and I emphasize might, she might be able to stop working slightly before she fully reaches her calculated financial independence point. Using the Real Estate Financial Planner software, we could have her stop working even before she reaches financial independence and see how that impacts the results. See the Real Estate Financial Planner Inside the Numbers podcast for more information on how to copy this scenario to your own Real Estate Financial Planner account and change any of these assumptions including stopping working her job before she's technically achieved financial independence. One more thing. Remember before we mentioned that she might not be able to buy nine properties in nine years since we added randomness to the model? Remember I said we'd come back to that? Well, it's time we came back to it. It turns out that by year 10, Andrea has acquired all nine properties in only about 74.5% of the 1,000 runs. In fact, in just under 4% of the cases, she has four or less properties by year 10. In those years, things did not go her way. So what went wrong? Well, it could be one or more of a number of things. Property prices moved up too fast, as an example, and or the returns in the stock market weren't great, and or rents did not keep pace with property prices, 
and or mortgage interest rates rose quite a bit, making the cash flow worse, and or she saw inflation go against her. Well, that concludes the advanced analysis of episode one. Be sure to check out additional episodes of the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast when we cover and compare additional scenarios from Andrea and others. You've just listened to a free sample of what the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast covers. As you heard, instead of using static assumptions for rates of return, price appreciation, rent appreciation, mortgage interest rates, and inflation rates, we introduce variability to the modeling and move to thinking probabilistically. We no longer say, Andrea achieves financial independence in month 138. Instead, we talk about her chances of being able to achieve financial independence by that month. In other advanced episodes, we compare differences in strategies. We discuss which scenarios have wider ranges of outcomes, more variance. We discuss which scenarios have narrow ranges of outcomes, less variance, and more certainty. We can compare which scenarios have more risk and how much more. If you're interested in subscribing to the Advanced Real Estate Financial Planner podcast, you can subscribe at realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash advanced. Oh, I almost forgot. You can download the newest version of the world's greatest real estate deal analysis spreadsheet for free. Just go to realestatefinancialplanner.com forward slash spreadsheet to download it right now. It's amazing. Bye-bye for now.